We specialize in die-cast metal miniature gun models that you didn't know you've been looking for. Called Goat Guns. Bah! Yes, Goat. They are the greatest of all-time gun models you can display on your desk. Buy, build, and collect them. We offer a 90-day return policy if you don't love yours. Start your collection at GoatGuns.com. Hey guys, Travis here from the show. Please indulge me for about 60 seconds so you can learn a little bit about our Patreon page. Patreon is a website that allows you to support us with tiny donations each month, like you would do with payments with Netflix or Hulu. We put out Watching the Throne for free and dedicate lots of time to it outside of our full-time jobs. So any little bit helps us out. The ultimate goal is to make the show our full-time jobs and really focus on dropping music knowledge on you guys at an annoying rate. Uh, we have plans to establish a Kanye clothing line, obtain people close to Kanye for interviews, and even do more analysis on our website if we have the resources to do so. So if you would like to donate as little as $1 a month, head to patreon.com slash Kanye podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Kanye podcast and sign up. We have goals and rewards set up for everyone who donates, which will be our way of repaying you eventually. Thank you so much and stay wavy. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert, and today we are doing a story with Corbin Reef. Corbin, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to everybody? Uh, well, first, thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, I love Kanye West from the bottom of my heart, so I'm really excited <laughs> to spend some time talking to uh, uh, to you about him. Uh, yeah, my name is Corbin Reef. Um, I'm a writer. Uh, I work at UpRocks as the deputy music editor. Uh, write a lot about. Kanye and, and hip hop and classic rock and rock and all sorts of music stuff just all across the board. I have a new uh, book out called Lighters in the Sky about the greatest concerts of all time. Uh, if you check that out, there be there's plenty of Kanye content in there. I got a couple chapters about him and he shows up in some different places there as well. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm really excited to, uh, to talk to you. I imagine uh, what conversation we'd be having if you wrote that book and didn't include Kanye. And it's be like, Corbin, welcome on. Why... Do you hate music so much? <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have the argument defending putting him in twice than not putting him in at all. That's just, <laughs> that was a non-starter for me. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like I, I like the idea that editors looking at it is like Kanye's in here twice, and you're just staring back like, yes, it's a very definitive book. <laughs> yeah, my editor was like, actually, I got, that got brought up. He's like, do we need to have Kanye in here twice? And I was like, yes, we do need to have Kanye in here twice. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, if you do it, just make sure that you kind of explain why in the next chapter, you know, why he should be in there twice. So there's a little there's a little addendum in there about he's, how he's the greatest live performer of the 21st century. And this is effusive praise of him because I, I do believe that. I really do believe that he's the greatest performer of the 21st century. And, uh, you know, I, I think that just as a meritocracy, he, he belonged in the book more than uh, one occasion. I think you make a very logical and sound argument that nobody could really counter. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's what I was going for. 
it, it's funny because if you see like still photos from the Yeezus tour or like uh, the Glow in the Dark tour or just even St. Pablo, all the just single photos are pop so much. It's incredible. Yeah, there's a visual component to uh, what he does. I mean, it's it's more than just you know, um, like a lot of rappers go out, they're DJ, and they'll they'll do the thing, and you'll you know lose your mind. Like Future's a great example. I love Future Live. You, he has a lot of high tempo tracks. You lose your mind to it. But you know, Kanye brings just an element of theatricality and uh, intensity and energy and scope and vision uh, that just is. I mean, like no one else is doing besides like Roger Waters from Pink Floyd. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's part concert, part rap show, part Broadway play. I mean, it's just there's so many different out, you know, attitudes and facets and and things that are involved when you go see him live. That it, it it's just he's he's on another level to me. Yeah, that's a uh, the phrase on another level comes up so much in our like episodes dissecting his uh, lyrics and songs and albums in general. Just like how is this guy doing this shit? I know. Like, I mean, like the the way he's able to cross so many different boundaries. Um, you know, between being a designer, being a lyricist, being a beat maker, being a, a, a you know a, a concert designer, being being like all these different things, art. Um, it it doesn't make sense that he could be so prolific, but you know, then that's Kanye West. That's Kanye West. So, uh, when did you, Corbin, uh, find yourself becoming a Kanye fan, and what was it about Kanye that uh, made you a fan? Yeah, you know, the first two albums, I really, I, I liked them. Um, they came out when I was in high school. And, you know, college dropout and late registration, they were they were good. I mean, that you couldn't escape, you know, uh, Jesus Walks. You couldn't escape Gold Digger. They were on the radio everywhere. But the one that really broke me in, the one that really like was like, oh, this is my guy, uh, was uh, Graduation. Um, I had, you know, had, had left high school. I was, an, I was an adult. I was living, you know, I was in the Army at the time. I was living in El Paso, Texas. Um, kind of out in the world for the first time. And um, I remember I was driving around and the DJ was like, we got this new song by Kanye West called uh, Can't Tell Me Nothing. <laughs> and uh, that track just, I mean, like, it, it, I was excited because, you know, I, I liked Kanye, but like, you know, I, I was just a casual fan. I was more, you know, um, into different stuff at the time. But then Can't Tell Me Nothing came on. And like that, there was, the, I could remember it distinctly. There was a moment where, um, the line goes, you know, old folks talking about back in my day, but homie, this is my day. And like, I wanted to pull the car over because <laughs> you just, you just think about that one line. Cause like, I felt that. So it's like, you grow up and you feel like all, everything's already happened. You know, like you get told all the time by like, you know, older people, your parents, teachers, uh, you know, I didn't have any older siblings, but like, you know, just the older set, like, oh, you weren't around for this. You know, you missed, you missed out. And then here's this guy telling me you didn't miss anything. What's happening right now is what's what's real. You know, this is what's what's actually you know what's popping off. You know, forget what happened back then. This is now, and this is awesome. And I was like, yes, it is now, and it is awesome. And then the rest of the album came out, and um, you know, going to clubs at the time, um, it was just inescapable. And I really got caught up in the the grandeur of it because you know those 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 uh, those other albums were very hip hop. The first two albums are very, very hip hop, and he was trying to like carve a name for himself in the hip hop space. But then, like, I feel like, and I wrote about this recently on the 10th anniversary graduation for Uprocks, where um, you know, graduation is the moment where he tried and to you know become uh, a rock star, uh, you know, really kind of break out of the mold of just being a hip hop guy, and, you know, get his just deserves in hip hop, which he'd been trying to do for the longest time and trying to do for the longest time. 
you know, with his peer group and then, you know, leaving his peer group behind and saying, you know, I'm even bigger than this. Hip hop can't contain me. I, I need to go to, to like widen the scope. You know, I'm going to go and work with, you know, uh, a track, you know, you're going to bring me, you know, to, you know, um, Daft Punk and we're going to flip the beat and, you know, remaster <laughs> you know, 70 times to get it right. You know, um, I just thought, you know, just the, the grandeur of it really, you know, got me. And then, um, I was hooked. And there's something, uh, to be said about that stepping out from his peers in the sense that you look at the end of graduation with homecoming where it's like, you're told that you can't go back home and then big brother where Jay-Z who's so representative of rap and like the ideals and uh, not the, I guess the image of like the Supreme rap King in the rap industry. And at the end of that album, he has beef with Jay-Z too. And while he's making amends, he's still doing his own thing. And that just really does seem like a, a breaking off point. I think you're absolutely right. You know, and then, I think, you know, uh, 808s and Heartbreak really feeds into that. You know, I mean, you're talking about a departure point from hip hop and, you know, Jay-Z being the king of that world. You know, thank you for everything you've done for me. You know, we had beef, but, you know, I appreciate everything you've done. And then, you know, I'm going to make this rock record, basically. I mean, it's not rock per se, but like, you know, this this arena rock record, this is larger than life thing. And then, like, I'm going to go even further and strip it down, like, all the way to the studs and do this sparse, like you know, drums and synths only, uh, record with Kid Cudi and, you know, completely flip the scripts entirely. And that's one thing I love about Kanye West. Like he's, you know, he's not afraid to like build something, have it be what it is and then just burn it down and try something else completely different the next time around. And, you know, people kind of, you know, get in a rough of, you know, of, of a formula that works for them and they'll, you know, drive into the ground. I mean, like, like I said, like go back to future, you can use, use a Lil Wayne's example. Like, uh, they have a formula that, you know, it's very distinctly of them. Um, but, and they'll, you know, they'll create a songbook that is, you know, of a specific aesthetic, but Kanye is someone who is just constantly searching for new uh, sounds, new vibes, new feelings, new emotions. And, uh, you know, he's not afraid to, like, you know, put his past behind him, you know, do, not, you know, not afraid to go off the beaten off the beaten path into new worlds and new realms. And it's just so exciting. When every time his new record comes out, you just you could feel like the mania and the culture because it's like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? It's just it's I, I love that feeling. Well, it, it's crazy because you think about. He already changed sounds between late registration and graduation. And then with graduation, 808s, and then 808s with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, I feel like people were expecting with how much of a hit My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was that the next album would be similar, even though everything suggested the contrary to then when we got Yeezus. And it was just like, what the fuck is this? Uh, it still threw people for a loop that this is the kind of artist that Kanye is. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think that, you know, the the bridge there is, you know, watch the throne. I mean, like, I think that, you know, he did, you know, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. He did the Good Fridays. Um, and then he did, you know, watch the throne. This like, you know, this trilogy almost of opulence. Or he also did, uh, you know, the um, the Cruel Summer. Uh, so like there's this, this this moment of opulence. And then like 
you know, Watch the Throne gets the backlash because it comes out at the same time as the, you know, the, the, the Great Recession. And I feel like in his mind, I don't know, I'm not going to project on it what he was thinking, but like, I think it was just the perfect move. Yeezus is my favorite Kanye West album. So like, it was just the perfect move to like, you know, like, oh, you know, you're expecting me to keep up with the, you know, the, the grandeur and, you know, the, the Vinci paintings and the Maybox and everything. But you know what? It, it, we're going into like Nine Inch Nails territory now. Like, I'm going to strip it down and get, you know, get in your face and get angry and you're going to deal with me. I'm not going to boast anymore. I'm going to, I'm gonna tell you what I am. What I am is a god, and you're gonna have to respect it. <laughs> Take these fucking Maybach keys. Yeah, exactly. I don't need this fucking Maybach. Burn it down. You know. Yeah. Fucking say la vie. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, so graduation comes out, and you're hooked on Kanye. You're like, this album. What the fuck? Uh, do you go back and start listening to College Dropout and Late Registration? Do you have a, an adverse reaction when 808s comes out, or are you fully on the on the Kanye train? You know, it's funny. Uh, I didn't, I mean, you know, I did go back. I didn't go back as much as, uh, you know, you might expect to, to go back to those records because they just, they were what they were to me. And they still kind of are what they are to me. Like, I respect what they are, but they're not, they're not something I return to a lot. I mean, like, Spaceships is a great song, you know. <laughs> There's yeah. great songs on those on those records that I really love, but, you know, they don't, I don't hold them in the same esteem as the, the post-graduation albums. And, and yeah, it's funny that you bring up 808s because, uh, you know, I fell in love with this guy when I didn't. <laughs> that be a sappy way of putting it, but like I fell in love with what he was doing on graduation, and you know, like a lot of people, I was really thrown by 808s when it first came out. You know, I was expecting a sort of similar sort of thing. I mean, you know, I I knew well, I I thought I knew what Kanye West was, and you can never know what Kanye West is. Kanye West doesn't even know who Kanye West is sometimes. Like he doesn't even know what he's going to do next. He just kind of I don't know operates from a place of instinct. And, you know, his mother dying, you know, maybe we should have seen it coming, but, you know, it just was such a shock. And when it first came out, I was like, I'm not really feeling this. I listened to it once or twice, you know, maybe three or four times. I don't even know. But and I just kind of set it to the side. And um, it wasn't until, like, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy hit that I went back to 808s. And it made so much more sense to me in the context of that record, if that makes any sense, yeah. uh, that I really became to love it. And it's one of my favorites now. I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, you look at Drake's entire career and you can kind of draw it back to to what, you know, Kanye was doing. And, you know, Kid Cudi the same way. And it's just, you know, it was so revolutionary. and It was so different. It was so unexpected that it took, I think, a lot of people, myself included, time to catch up to what he was doing there. But I think there's something you mentioned continuity earlier, and there's something to the idea that if you go from graduation to 808s, it, it may not seem like there's really a logical connection there. But when you throw in then the next step of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, they're just listening to them. Whether you're aware of the machinations of the continuity between those albums, there's definitely like an emotional <laughs> resonance between all three that make each one, I think, stronger individually because of the context of the other two. Um, yes. Included with Yeezus and The Life of Pablo, which is why, like, the post, uh, like, graduation and on is also my favorite period of Kanye because it's just feels like such a mega story that's being told. Yeah, and you know what's funny is, like, you can kind of get a sense of the person he is, not necessarily through what he's saying. I mean, like, he gives you windows into his, you know, his history and his... Um, his background and how he's actually thinking, but it, you know, it's, it's really the sounds of the music that kind of tell you where his headspace is as he's making those records in his life at the time, you know, 
uh, graduation, he's riding a high. 808's the darkest period of his life, and he's you know he's feeling that, and it's reflective on the music he makes. Uh, you know, my beautiful artist with fantasy. You know, he's trying to make a comeback. You know, the world is is pissed off at him uh, because of the Taylor Swift thing, and he feels like a pariah. So he's like, you know what? Fuck you! I'm gonna make the best record you've ever heard in your entire life. I'm gonna get everybody who you've ever loved to appear on it, and you're gonna love it. And whether you hate me or not, you're gonna love this. And he was absolutely right. Uh, Yeezus, he's pissed off at the fashion industry. So guess what? He makes a pissed off record. I mean, you, it's just really weird. Like you know, not really weird. It just it's it seems very um, unique to him that the the sonics of the of the music he makes mirrors what he's feeling at the time in a way that is not necessarily reflective of a lot of other artists. No, so much feels like, and not to knock on Taylor Swift as like a, a Kanye fan, but you look at Taylor's switch from country music into pop music, uh, dropping the country entirely. And that doesn't feel like it's coming naturally from her life or from her like creative endeavors, but feels more like it's a, a career move. Um, yeah, there's some contrivance there. You know, there's, there's a calculated decision like I want to go in this world because I feel like it would be more beneficial for me. I, I, she's a great songwriter. So, I mean, it's not a, a matter of, uh, you know, uh, lacking for songwriting ability that she's able to cross over. Cause I mean, it does take a lot for someone to make that move, but I mean, think, I think that you're absolutely right. There's conscious thought going into the process of like, I'm going to change what I'm doing for a specific kind of goal. And I, you don't really get that sense with Kanye. No. And you get that, as you were saying earlier on the flip side with like little Wayne or future where they have their sound and they just build up that sound over and over again, which is that works on the other hand too, but it's it's not what Kanye's done, which is what makes Kanye. Uh, it doesn't seem like a. It doesn't seem like that insane of a step to take. Like, oh, I'm just gonna make these different sounds on each album. But in, with regard to the whole, it really is a crazy step to take, or the industry. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think people. It's. I think people when they make new records, I feel like. Most artists will tell you they're trying to do new things. I, I don't think anyone really consciously thinks to themselves, you know, I'm I'm doing this again. <laughs> uh, but a lot of times they're wrong. I mean, and <laughs> I mean, they might feel like they're going on a limb, but it sounds the same. I mean, like you know, okay, you're adding flutes now to to your rap records. That's not that huge of a difference. There's still trap drums there, you know. Uh, whereas you know, I mean, like Kanye is someone who will literally change the entire aesthetic of himself. And then make a record to fit that new person that exists that didn't exist two years ago. Yeah, fuck. Like, look at 808's era Kanye and just the fashion yeah. of that time. And you're just like, who was that guy? Like, that's yeah. amazing. The oversized pullover sweaters are nowhere to be found. It's all it's all gray tuxedos and Lego hearts. Oh, what an amazing period we got to witness. <laughs> yeah. Well, so My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy comes out. You're hooked on that, and does that feel like a, the highest high that Kanye could possibly, or that a musician could possibly give at that point? Were you just thinking that it could get better before Yeezus came out? It's it's funny. Like I got I got caught up when it, um, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy came out because I was Team Kanye on the Taylor Swift thing, so I was really pulling for him to make a comeback, um, and. My feeling at the time of my beautiful Dark Source of Fantasy, like, was like, he did it. Like, he 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 did it. He he managed to like he managed to do it. He he created 
this five-star record that no one can deny. And I wasn't even thinking about the future of like, can he top this? Like it never even entered my brain of like, <laughs> will he be able to top this? I was just so, I don't know, proud's not the word, but like I felt like I'm just, I was happy to hit, he found his like vindication. Like he, you know, he, let's hear it from the douchebags, you know, like, like he's a douchebag, he's owning it, but guess what? He's an artistic genius also. And you have to accept that. And I was so happy that happened. And then like, I felt like everything afterwards would be gravy. And then like the thing that happened afterwards is like my favorite thing. It was just like, I, I you know, it, it, it couldn't get better for me. And was that your reaction the first time you heard Yeezus or was it something like a, like a hot bath? You had to kind of ease your way into it. Well, when I first heard Yeezus, I mean, like, I don't know why I didn't really pay attention to this thing. Like I have black skinhead. Like I obviously had, um, it was, you know, it was kind of everywhere, you know, the SNL projecting on the you know, buildings and everything, whatever. And, um, I was driving in my car. Like I just, like I was with, uh, with graduation and, um, on-site comes through the speakers and it's just like, whoa, you know, I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. I really love, uh, the, you know, those early industrial sounds, um, you know, ministry, like same sort of thing. And like, I just, it was like the last thing I expected. Like it was, I was not expecting that level of savagery and viciousness and, you know, uh, angst and anger, uh, to be shown by him. And it was just like, I, I mean, I just, I don't know what, maybe it was that with place I was in my life where I was trying to, you know, make it into some certain realms, but like, it just, it, man, it just hit me so hard. And, uh, you know, it was just so unexpected and so visceral that you just like, it couldn't be denied. Like I am a God, new slaves, hold my liquor, blood. Like it just like it, on and on and on. It was, it, you know, I think it's his most concise record. Cause I mean, even the end of 808s gets a little floppy near the end, you know, mm -hmm. when you have. Uh, you know, see my nightmares or whatever. Like there's this, you know, uh, Robocop. I'm not a huge Robocop fan, but that's just me. But like, I felt like, um, from front to back, there's just no, it's all killer, no filler on Yeezus. Uh, there's nothing you could, if you take anything off that record, if you take any element away from that record, it becomes less. If you put anything else into the record, even though I'd love to hear the the unrick rubin reduced version someday just to kind of compare and contrast my own interests you know just kind of like I, i'd love to hear the way it sounded before he took it to to rick rubin uh to get reduced uh i feel like if you added any any extra element to that record it would be less than it just it's just such this this minimalist vicious document that i just love with all my heart <laughs> <laughs> minimalist vicious document i love that um, well, yeah, and I think it's I think it's kind of fascinating when you mention uh, Yeezus in relation to 808s because I feel like 808s he goes minimalist, uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy he goes maximalist, and then he comes back with Yeezus that I feel takes a lot of the elements that he learned with both those albums and returns to like this minimalist reduction and perfection of them before getting to Life of Pablo where he goes maximalist again. And just watching him, like, do that as an artist, like, testing, like, then expanding, then testing again and expanding is really fascinating. Not just as, like, a music lover, but just as somebody appreciating craft. Yeah, it's funny to com compare and contrast Jesus with 808s in particular. Because, I mean, 808s is coming from a place of depression, uh, obviously, heartbreak. Uh, the pain, the loss of his mother, and Yeezus is a place of just rage. You know, like the, this industry won't accept me. Um, you know, I have all these gifts that I want to show the world, and I, you know, I'm being denied. 
And it's it's funny because, yeah, like they're, they're both minimalist in tendencies, but the execution is completely different. Like, whereas 808s, it seems like he's stripping down, stripping down, stripping down. You know, uh, Yeezus has these elements, you know, he like you mentioned, he, he does incorporate from um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and even even uh, Graduation, you know, of, of the synths and, and Daft Punk, uh, you know, Bon Iver. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, it's just like there's there's it's a it's I'm going to do I'm going to use less. But what I'm going to use is going to be, you know. Uh, it's going to hit like it's going to be grating. It's going to be gnarly. It's going to be loud. It's going to be in your face. And I think that you absolutely right. It's lessons learned from, uh, you know, throwing the entire, you know, everything he has at the wall on the last record that he's able to see like what stuck the best and pull that off and use that and use this. Yeah. It's like, uh, Kanye's equivalent of Bruce Lee's one inch punch. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I love, yes. Perfect. Ah, uh, oh man. Oh, so then uh, Life of Pablo comes out. Did it hit you the same way as Yeezus? Does it rank up there with Yeezus for you, or is it uh, for you a step back? I listen to uh, The Life of Pablo a lot still. Like, um, I know some people like think it's messy and it's uh, too big, there's too much, and it's unfocused. And, you know, I think that's part of what makes it so endearing. Like I would put it, I don't know if I would put it in the same realm as like the, I think the trifecta for me is Jesus, My Beautiful Artist of Fantasy, and Eight Hundred Eight. Those are like the the holy trinity for me. Uh, I'd put uh, Pablo on par with uh, probably Graduation, uh, that kind of level, just because you know it seems like they're he, on both those records. He's just trying to do a lot, uh, and you know some places he he you know he managed to to have success like on Stronger and like on uh, you know Father Stretch My Hands. And other places he fa- <laughs> he fails a little bit, or not necessarily fails, but like you know the execution's not there. Like on Barry Bonds, or uh, you know uh, I'm not a huge, I'm not partial to Waves, t- part, you know as as much as a lot of people are. But um, I I love that record. I was so I remember just like everyone else, I was so excited for it. You know, like oh my gosh, he's bringing back Good Fridays. Like you know this is this is amazing. <laughs> you know you get no parties in L.A. and it's like oh my he's doing it. Like he's got bars again. And and then you know like I'm gonna stream. Uh, you know uh, I'm gonna live stream from Madison Square Garden. It's like this whole event. And it, it just got, I remember getting caught up in like the excitement of all of it. And he changed it like, you know, a thousand times. And, you know, um, it's like a living document. And then at the same time, he's on Twitter, like going after Wiz Khalifa. And it's like, oh crap. You know, like, it's just like, there was this whole, like the process of how that record came out will, will always be like uh, how I feel about it. It was just like, this just like, I'm going to, like the conversation right now, nothing else matters except for Kanye West and we all have to just deal with it. <laughs> and uh, I, I loved that. I, I love that so much. And the, the songs, there's so many great songs on, on that record. Um, I, you know, Father Stretch My Hands, I think uh, part one and two put together is just like an, a, just an achievement. And then, you know, Ultralight Beam, uh, No More Parties in LA, uh, you know, Fade, Wolves. I mean, it's just, there's just so many great tracks on that record. The uh, Father Stretch My Hands is our most popular episode of all is it time really? yeah um and we've done 70 tracks at this point and that's still the one that gets the most downloads the most attention people fucking love that song and it's well deserved like what a crazy track that is we'll probably get there but that's definitely it's i i, I mean I, a lot of people wouldn't put a, a a pablo track in their top five but i mean father stretch my hands gets credit for me like it's it's just i mean seeing it on the pablo tour too like um I mean, when the beat drops, when you know Metro, I mean, then just the beat drops, and then just the the crowd explodes. I mean, like that memory will always stick in my brain. And it's just like it was just so. Oh my gosh, I can talk. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So favorite favorite Kanye moments, uh, like sure. uh, 
what he's done in the public space uh is it the pablo tour is it another tour is it something like the the taylor swift vmas my favorite kanye moment um in a public space i guess if we're going that criteria will have to be the easiest tour um i had never seen kanye west before the easiest tour um despite my best efforts i was living in el paso when graduation came out so glow in the dark didn't really come to el paso texas because it's in the middle of literally nowhere <laughs> um and then I, for Watch the Throne, he was in – I was living, living in Seattle at the time. He was going to Tacoma the same night I had to interview another artist for uh, something for Guitar World magazine. So I was able to go to that show, which was devastating. And so Yeezus was my first assignment because um, he kicked it off the tour in uh, – El pa- sorry, he kicked off the tour in Seattle. To, um, and I managed to finagle an assignment for Rolling Stone. It's my first assignment for Rolling Stone magazine was to cover the Yeezus tour. Oh, man. And, I know. Yeah. So it was, it was emotional night for me, no matter what. So like I was just prepared for whatever. And, you know, I, I'd seen rap acts before, you know, I, I've been to more than a few rap shows. So like I had, I had this like idea of what to expect. I didn't really look into like, you know, what he'd done on watch the throne. Cause I was bummed about it. I didn't really look into, I, I'd seen some footage from, you know, uh, glow in the dark, but like, you know, that had been like years before at this point. So like, I just was completely unprepared. And then, you know, you walk in and there's the giant ice mountain and you're like, what the fuck is about <laughs> to happen in this arena? Uh, and, you know, Kendrick Lamar comes out and he's amazing. And then, you know, the lights go out and like there's these women walking, you know, like in, in shrouds walking on the stage. And then they, you know, the beat drops and on site and like you're still not there. And then all of a sudden he's like wearing a mask, like a Margiela mask. And you're like what is going just like this cognitive dissonance happens where you're just like you can't believe what you're seeing and the music is so loud and the crowd is so crazy and uh you know just like i i personally like i don't know like i'm a crazy i'm maybe i'm a crazy person but like um on site is a song i don't play just because i like to just keep it to the side whenever i like to think about like my memories of that show i'll play on site specifically so i remember like how i felt in that moment when i first saw him for the first time uh i just i just don't want to wear that song out so i just keep it off to the side forever when i kind of revisit that moment but yeah that's definitely like i wrote about it for the book uh for the first person perspective um it's one of the only chapters that i wrote from a first person perspective like because i was actually there for it uh in letters in the sky i should say and so you can kind of read more of my memories from that (laughs) that show it just it was it was just amazing it's it was unlike anything i've ever seen before it's still one of the greatest concerts i've ever been to yeah, that sounds like uh, for a book where you're spending so much time like researching and getting stories from other people to be able to have that moment, it really puts it into context when you're talking about like all these amazing shows, the greatest concerts, and then the fact that you were at one and you get to share your story about it. It probably already, it puts a moment that was already meaningful to you in like a whole different context. Yeah, absolutely. It's you're spending. I mean, it's it's uh, Letters in the Sky is the greatest concerts from 1960 to 19. Or sorry, to 2016. So there's 57 different concerts in the book, 57 different years. And you know, you're like you said, like for a majority of it, I'm telling other people's stories. And uh, it was really refreshing and nice to be able to tell my own. Uh, I got to tell my own on, on the 2016 chapter two. Um, I went out, to, went out to Desert Trip in 2016. Saw you know the the Who and the Rolling Stones and Paul McCartney and Roger oh, Waters and yeah, Neil Young, and and it was just like it, you know, that was amazing. And then you know, there's another Kanye chapter in the book, but you know, um, 2011 at Coachella, I wrote about in the book as well. 
but like you said, I mean, it was, just, it was really cool to tell my own story uh, for, for once in the book. And, <laughs> and I hope that it resonates for people, especially the ones that saw it, because, uh, man, it's just it's it was unlike anything else I've ever seen. Well, then how did the, I, I imagine you got to go to St. Pablo? Oh, yeah, totally. I covered that one for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> how did uh, how did Pablo compare for you to Jesus just as an experience having been to both? You know, we talk about it's it's really funny. We you know we, we talked about as, in terms of his albums, um, maximalist and minimalist, uh, minimalist, and uh, it's really weird. Like I felt like Reversal. with those two yeah. shows, like he he kind of did the same sort of thing. You know, uh, how am I going to top an ice mountain? I don't think I can top an ice mountain. How am I, you know this Jesus shows up? I mean, how how do we how do you do more than that? <laughs> and rather than try to do more than that, he like reduced it down. Like I'm not even to have a stage. The stage I have is going to flow over the crowd. We're not even to have a science seat. People are just going to stand in the middle of an, a, a hockey arena and just lose their minds. You know, I'm going to reach out and be able to touch them. Like uh, that show, like I, I was lucky enough to go to both kickoff shows. Um, so like I saw the first show of the Jesus tour and I saw the first show of the St. Pablo tour. So on Ooh. both those shows, I didn't know what to expect going in, which, you know, I think I have to just have to reconcile. Like that's the way I'm at to go see Kanye West from now on. It's like just if he's playing in, you know, the first show of a tour in Houston, Texas, guess what? I'm going to have to buy a plane ticket because that's the way it's going <laughs> to have to go. Uh, but no, I mean, it, I, I loved the way that show was presented just because like it's the same sort of thing. It was unlike anything. I mean, anyone's ever done before, you know, you, you know, that rock element of like a mosh pit and, you know, Travis Scott's running around the arena, just like, you know, losing his mind. And, you know, I was in Indianapolis. So there's like Indianapolis Pacers, you know, just mixing with regular fans. And, you know, like there's, there was like a malfunction on that show where like, um, they were originally what they, I guess what they wanted to do was put the stage like toward the back, like where the, you know, it's the way it's set up originally when the, the show starts, but like they couldn't figure out how to do it. So like, it was just, like 20 minutes of like him just hanging out at the end of the show, like what's going on, like fades over and he's supposed to be going back, but he's still up there stuck. <laughs> um, I saw it again in Grand Rapids, uh, Michigan, and uh, it was a lot smoother. Yeah, the, they didn't have the lasers the first night, which was, you know, a nice surprise the next time I saw him. But yeah, I mean like, I, I don't know that you can compare Kanye shows. I mean, like the I think the first show will always be your favorite. Uh, Yeezus will always be my favorite, just because uh, it was just so stunning. It felt like a, a play mixed with a concert, mixed with uh, you know, like just uh, everything. <laughs> and, and, and and I don't know that I will ever see anything like St. Pablo again. I don't know anyone who's going to try to do something that can approach that. Yeah, I mean, at this point, how do you do something that's similar to St. Pablo without coming off as completely derivative? Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, like, I know Drake for a while would, like, do this thing where he'd, like, you know, go out into the crowd on this, like, cherry picker and, you know, float <laughs> over the crowd that way. But it's not the same element where, you know, it's like St. Pablo invited this communal experience between, um, you know, fans. Uh, and it was just like this egalitarian, like, proletarian. I don't know how to speak. It was just like this this leveling out, like, you know, famous people, rich people, poor people, black people, white people, you know, everybody was all mixed together in this joint celebration of this singular discography. And, uh, you know, it's, it was this great leveling and this great moment of like, you know, everyone looking at themselves, you know, like left and right, like, holy shit, is this happening? And, uh, it brought people together in a way that I don't know another, I, I people will try to probably do it in the future in some sort of way, but it's not going to be as revolutionary and it won't be, I don't know if it's gonna be the same. Now, did you try to sneak a third Kanye concert into the book? <laughs> well, you know, okay, so like I, I have um, 
2011 uh, at Coachella. I mean, like he does a three act play in that show, and and Pusha T shows up, and Bonnie Vera, Justin Vernon shows up. So like I had to include that one just because the the scope of it was so cool. I included the Yeezus tour. Uh, Kanye shows up again in Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Oh, That's fuck. not necessarily not necessarily uh, you know, Kanye focused, but he's there for that. You know, he does. You know, uh, Jesus walks up the street with a band, and then he shows up again in 2015 <laughs> uh, for Drake's OVO Fest. Um, just cause he's there for, you know, the, the swirling stage, uh, Drake brought him out, but you know, adds more Drake focus, you know, trying to burn meat meals, you know, career to the ground and, you know, debuting the songs off, uh, off use, not debuting, just playing them just a moment for Drake. Uh, but you know, Connie's there for that. So like, I, I had this almost difficulty of like, am I doing too much with Kanye West in the book? But, uh, you know, he, the man deserves, and he grabs the spotlight. What can you do? I ask myself that question every day. <laughs> Am I doing too much <laughs> with Kanye West? Um, so those are your favorite. Uh, you had mentioned uh, the criteria of in-person Kanye. Do you have a favorite Kanye moment that's uh, not like Kanye in the public sphere, but just like favorite Kanye thing in general? I mean, the VMA's performance, or sorry, was, yeah, of Runaway was will mm-hmm. always be with the you know the NPC will always be up there for me. I think it was the VMA's, right? I th- I think so. It was, yeah, okay. it was just up there hitting <laughs> hitting. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I'll always love the Zane Lowe interview. Like I, I'll I still go back sometimes and watch that just because like I mean like the the like the froth like just like he's so like on angry and like defiant and like you know I just told you I was a god like he you know, he's not gonna take no for an answer he's not gonna be ridiculed. And he's not going to back down. He, he's like laying it all out there and it, you know, just grab the spotlight in a way that, you know, normal interviews don't do. And it's just so, it's just compelling just to watch, you know, him go off and, you know, talk about, you know, the, you know, the, the Cabersier lamp, I don't know how to pronounce it, like the lamp, uh, that inspired the entire album and like, you know, the fashion industry and Heidi Slimane and calling out Heidi Slimane and just like, it's just so, it's like the best television. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Speaking of the best television, did you ever uh, see the video of when Kanye co-hosted a British comedy like sketch show? No, I haven't. It's uh, I always forget the name of the show. It's on YouTube, but it was right when graduation was coming out. He was in the UK and he was like the guest host of this uh, comedian. It's usually these two comedians hosting, but they had Kanye doing it. And he's just on there for like a full episode or like three episodes doing things and it's just like this is so crazy to see is he funny yeah <laughs> he is i think that's that's yeah Kanye doesn't get enough credit for being funny like he's a legitimately funny dude and sometimes i think that his self-seriousness gets in the way of uh I, he is able to poke fun at himself and he's done so at numerous times in his career like on snl when uh, you know like the i remember that skit where he's like you know he's mad that he didn't win the pumpkin growing competition <laughs> and he throws a fit like uh you know uh the 40th anniversary like there's moments in connie's career where he's, he's poked fun at himself and i don't think he gets the credit necessarily for being able to do that no no he doesn't he doesn't get enough credit for anything even like all I, the credit we've been giving him here not enough credit i agree like the man i mean he's so good i mean like what can you say about it? he's just he's the best the best God damn. Uh, okay, so f- favorite album, you said Yeezus. Um, God, I think we covered favorite album in so much detail. Is there more that you want to say about Yeezus? Um, I don't know why. I mean, like, I guess I realize why, uh, you know, instinctually, why a lot of rap fans don't like Yeezus, because it's it just so 
outside the DNA of what you know hip hop is in certain certain respects. Um, and it seems like of all his records, it's the most polarizing. Like it, we have this thing in Up Rocks recently where we um, instead of ranking his albums, which is what everybody does, uh, one of our writers made the case of every single album being his best. And it was really funny watching people's responses. Like they, they really, I mean, they found, I think a lot of common ground and a lot of different things people were writing, but like for whatever reason, Yeezus is just the album that people decide like, this is my shit or this is just, this is a detour in his career that didn't make any sense. It's not for me. And, uh, I'm just of the party that, you know, I think that it's compelling. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, those who think that it's his worst album don't know what the hell they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That debate has been really fascinating. We spend a, a lot of time commenting on the Kanye subreddits, um, which is insane by the way. It was at like, 18,000 subscribers before The Life of Pablo came out. Yep. And now it's at 90,000. Jeez. Um, just showing, like, I feel like Kanye in the pop culture zeitgeist has made such a 180 from post-VMA Taylor Swift fallout that it's kind of insane the surge that he's had in terms of being, like, fashionable in pop culture again. Yeah, and it's funny, like, I mean, like, he's such a content creator and not necessarily like, you know, he actually creates things to be consumed, but like everything he does is compelling to people. Um, and you know, that's why people write about him and write about the banal things that, you know, seemingly banal things like, you know, taking a trip up to Wyoming. Uh, and like people go crazy about like, what's he doing up there? Like what's, what's, what could he possibly, he's working with Migos. Like what's, is it going to be like a trap record? You know, it's like people want to speculate about like literally everything. Oh, he's wearing baggy clothes. Kanye's fat now. I wonder what that means for the record. Like it's, 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 it's just so interesting. Like, yeah, he's just a compelling figure in so many ways that we read so much into everything he does and pick it apart to such a degree but it never is uninteresting. Like there, it, I don't know why, but like there's just something about that particular human being where, you know, whatever he chooses to do is, is ha- he has an audience for and the audience it's, there's never, there's never enough. No, I mean, we've made like 150 podcast episodes solely about Kanye and things Kanye's done. And it's just like, why is that a thing that exists? Like who else, like what, how many people in the world could inspire such a thing? And Kanye is one of those people. But uh, one of the conversations on our Kanye that comes up a lot is the Yeezus debates and the best album and the ranking of the albums. And it's been really fascinating trying to view the value systems that fans have that fall into the college dropout late registration is best Kanye or like Yeezus, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is best Kanye. Um, and I still don't feel like I have, I have a right answer for that, but what you were talking about earlier with, uh, how traditional, not traditional sounding, but just traditional, like in the vein of tradition, college dropout and late registration are versus like Yeezus being so non-fucking traditional. I feel like that's really at the core of it from like what people expect. There are some people who their entire, uh, criteria of what a record, you know, what a good record is, uh, comes down to bars, mm-hmm. like what bars, what the, what are the bars, you know, mumble rap, fuck that, you know, uh, and, and honestly, like Kanye's rapping on Yeezus is, is there's, you know, 
it can be a little ham fisted. I will admit that. Like there's, it's not, you know, it's not as nuanced as, you know, hurry up with my damn croissants. Like it's not as nuanced as, uh, some of, uh, you know, his other work, like, especially on those first two albums. I think there's a lot more nuance, a lot more depth. Uh, I think that on Yeezus, it's more visual, you know, like visceral reaction, like, you know, like, uh, this is what's happening to me. This is what, you know, I'm just going to get it out. Like, it's almost like, sh- like, like, Lennon, like how he did that, you know, scream therapy, uh, back in the seventies. I feel like Yeezus is like his screen therapy record. Uh-huh. Uh, he's just like emoting and like whatever comes out of his mouth. Like it doesn't, he's not, it doesn't have to make sense. It's just like, I just need to get these feelings out of me. And for a certain set of people, it's like, okay, but that couplet sucked. Like, you know, <laughs> and it's like, who gives a shit? I, I personally don't like, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to sound good. Yeah. That's a, I, I think he's a great punchline rapper. I, I mean, like people knock his lyricism and people knock him for, you know, um, you know, not being able to like go, you know, bar for bar with Nas, and he's never going to be that guy. But I feel like he creates lines that you know stick in your brain and refuse to get out. They're compelling. Yeah, and it's different strengths, right? Like he's not going to go bar for bar against Nas, but Nas may not have some of the uh, thematic depth that Kanye brings to an album at times. And it's like Nas talks about some really real shits and tells like it shows what his life has been like in a way, but he may not be on the artist level that Kanye is. Right. I mean, Nas, as uh, <laughs> as my uh, colleague Aaron Smarter, Aaron Williams would say, he has a tin ear. Like, he just can't pick beats. And <laughs> I love Nas. I love Nas a lot, but uh, I think he's right. I mean, like, if, you know, Kanye has the proclivity to, you know, not only pick beats, but, like, create them. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm excited for his new record, whatever it might be, because it sounds like he's actually creating again. Uh, actually making you know music again and uh, i'm excited to see where he's at with that literally as you say that i'm sitting here rubbing my hands together in anticipation like some stupid like movie villain like ah, but that's that's the feeling that statement engenders just like what is happening in wyoming like what is up there like what's he doing up there he's on top of a mountain like there's gotta be a reason he's out there like is it gonna be pastoral like i I have no idea what vibe he's chasing i mean like i mean hawaii would never think would create a record like uh you know 808s i mean like it's the most you know beautiful place on earth but like and what, what's, what's, what's happening there? Like what, what push a T tell us, please. <laughs> somebody, somebody give a hint, something. Yes. I need some, I need something for sure. Ah, uh, well until then tracks, the tracks that we do have, <laughs> what, uh, what are your five favorite Kanye tracks? Okay. I'm going to go, uh, ascending order. So like we'll start five, go to one. Okay. <sighs> Number five. Okay, but before I go, like, I just got to say, like, this could, like, tomorrow, this is <laughs> entirely different. So, like, this is just October, whatever day it is, like, Corbin Reef's top five. So, like, next month, it could be different. So, okay, number five today. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Heartbreak. Uh, I think that's just a great song. I just love the, the drums on that song. I love um, the beat on that song. I think it's just, I think it's the best song on A8s. And, um, the melody it just really just it, it just resonates dum dum da da dum like it's just it's so good uh number four like you talked about father stretch my hands uh the grandeur i mean you just it can't be denied number three can't tell me nothing it braggadocious swagger you know old folks talking back about you know back about my day you know that line meant the world to me so i have to give it you know the the, the just do <laughs> uh number two Lost in the world, um, hell yeah, 
It's so good. I mean, there's, I don't know if there's a better like windows down 65, 70 on the highway track in Connie's discography than lost in the world. You know, uh, it's just so like, you just, it's like, it's like the, like the scene in the movie where like the heroes are getting away. I, it just, it has this like feeling of triumph to it. It's like we fucking did it where, you know, it, it's just so good. Uh, and then number one for me, I go blood on the leaves. Fuck. Yeah. Blood on the leaves is an insane track. When the beat on Blood on the Leaves <laughs> drops, and in a live setting, in a club, no matter where you, when that beat drops, it doesn't matter who you're with, what you're doing, that the the people respond. Like it's just, it's like so, it's so compelling. It's so good. Uh, it's visceral. It's angry. It's the Nina Simone sample. I mean, it, everything about that song is just perfect to me. The fact that there's such like stress that's being talked about and like expressed on that song and that it concludes with him just yelling at himself to breathe with Nina Simone in the background talking about like strange fruit, which is based on lynchings is such like a, a resonance between the sample and what he's emotionally going through that it gives me goosebumps right now. Just bringing it up. I know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the thing that he, that's the next level thinking he kind of goes with and he creates music. It's not just like what, what sample sounds good, but how can I interact with it on a level that, you know, there's depth there, there's involved, there's thought that goes into it. Like, I'm not just going to take Nina Simone. People take Nina Simone all the time. Like, she's great. She's great to sing a hook. You speed it up. It sounds beautiful. But for him to create, you know, take that particular song and interact with the way that he does, like you said, where you can't breathe at the end. And then also make it like this, you know, this, this, this grand story of like heartbreak and, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's absolutely, it's like, it's like a movie almost inside of a, like it's inside of a song. Yeah. We, uh, we're actually working on our Yeezus book right now and we're talking about Yeezus the movie is essentially like the working title of the book, but just how he uses a lot of like film elements in this album. Yeah, absolutely. He totally, absolutely. That album is, I mean, like he, I mentioned before, like, it, you know, he saw this minimalist lamp in the Louvre. I can't name it. I can't pronounce the name of the designer, but like there's a visuality to that album that I think, you know, is present more than a lot of his other work where he's kind of thinking like in, in you know, um, in terms of, you know, scope and, you know, creating imagery that, you know, just kind of like, a lot of his work is image based. A lot of work evokes different, you know, uh, different images. But that Jesus in particular, I think, is just like. And you think I think the tour bears that out. It's like, yep. you know, there's a there's a there's a grand design to it in his mind that uh, that you know bears out when you listen to it every single time. And I really hope for what you know, just throwing it aside out there, hype Williams. If you ever want to drop that Jesus <laughs> tour documentary, I mean, like we're waiting. I, I just, uh, you know, it would have made writing the chapter a lot easier for me. So just if you want to give that to the world, you please go ahead. Yeah, like where the fuck is that? What it's happened the vault. there? He's, he moves on so quick from like, you know, like, oh, that was – I'm not that guy anymore. So like I'm not going to put – like he, you, he videotapes everything. Like he yeah, has yeah. videotapes. Like I know. I mean I can't prove it, but like I know for a, <laughs> for a fact. <laughs> Like he has videotape of like creating like you know, almost probably every song he's ever made, you know, every tour. Like his deluxe editions of those albums, like twenty years from now, are going to be insane, and I cannot wait. I will lose days of my life, weeks of my life, watching those and just growing this. Like I'll I'll leave my apartment and have a full beard. It's like down to my waist, and be like, "What year is it?" Kanye I, West I'm is right still amazing. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm right there with, like I said, like the Rick Rubin version that's unreduced of Yeezus. We're probably going to get that in some sort of deluxe edition package someday, and and uh, I wish that day was tomorrow. Absolutely. Like, I would pay so much money. I Whatever I have, he could have it. <laughs> <laughs> just drop the keys to the car off and just take the tapes and go home. Yeah, like, you... Do you want that? Like, I'll give you my computer. <laughs> I'll give you my cats. So like, what? Do you, okay, I'm gonna keep the cat because it's my girlfriend's cats. Um, but you can have whatever else. You can have me. What do you? What do you want? I'm right there with you, buddy. Like, seriously, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, it's so funny. Like, a lot. There's leaks, obviously. Um, you know, we got that Migo song, which is kind of terrible. To be honest with you, I didn't really <laughs> like it. Um, but like, this vault, like his hard drive has some shit on it that is will shake the world like 10 years from now and it came you know it was recorded like whatever like it just kind of sitting there in the vault waiting to be heard and i'm i like his archives to me like are like like bob dylan is kind of an artist where like he saved everything but no one knew he saved everything and then all of a sudden like when he's like 70 he like oh by the way here's like the notepads i wrote you know, uh, Highway 61 on, and I'm going to give it all to, like, the library in uh, Oklahoma, and pants can go there, and they can check out whatever. Like, I'm my hope, my dearest wish is that someday Kanye is like, you know what, I'm just going to put it all out there. Here's, we'll open up a space in Chicago. People can come visit and just check out, like, whatever, like, just terabytes of, like, data I've saved up over the years. That's my... That's my most fervent wish in life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That just, I've never thought about this. And now that I have the thought in me, like you've infected my soul to the point, like this is, I'm just going to search Kanye every day. Not that I don't already, but now I'm going to search Kanye every day just for the hope that that's going to be like some announcement. It's my most fervent wish. Like I know like 20th anniversary, I, I really feel like 20th anniversary of college dropout. We're going to get something We've some stuff we never heard before, and hopefully he kind of goes on the campaign. But like, it just doesn't seem like the guy who looks back. Like, it seems like that happened. It's who I was, and I'm focused on the future. And like, you know, that's great because I think that it keeps him pushing forward, and it keeps the albums like he's not made a dud yet. Like, there's been no bad albums in his discography, and I don't know how many artists have you know can be able to lay that claim. Uh, Bob Dylan certainly can't. Bruce Springsteen certainly can't. You know, the Beatles can. Shine um, down. <laughs> shine down yeah uh but no kanye is i don't think he's made a dud and i don't i you know knock wood i i don't think he he will hopefully in the foreseeable future as long as he keeps his eye on the ball and just keeps looking down the road yeah that's the thing like i can imagine just being like why would people want to hear the old me like that's not i'm way past that i'm not the artist that i was then like i'm completely different you already have the old stuff like, right i'm gonna give exactly. you new stuff no, I'm I'm a thousand percent with you. I think that's his mindset. Like it's just like the point where it becomes complacent. I feel is where he we might lose him, and you know I don't feel like I mean like we haven't seen him much lately. He's kind of been laying low. He's kind of been doing his own thing. He hasn't been making public appearances. He hasn't he canceled his fashion show. Like something's something's coming. I don't know what it is, but I'm very excited for it. I just want to make like a Dragon Ball Z references now in terms of. <laughs> <laughs> they just had like a new arc and they had this quote like this character like he's coming and he's a super powerful character and it's just like hmm. well i feel like we're at that moment like it's i'm not necessarily a, like a dark twist of fantasy moment but i feel like it feels similar to that like he he met with trump and you know i was disappointed in him when he did that yeah. uh you know a lot of people i know were very disappointed when he did that and it feels like he has to work to get people back now, and I feel like that's when he's at his best. And when he has something to like fight back against, when he has 
something, you know, to, to rebel against when he has something, some force in his life where he's, you know, drawn to, you know, show that, oh, I, you know, you don't believe in me anymore. Well, guess what? I'm going to drop the shit on you and it's going to be fucking amazing. And, and more than that, like, you know, the few with Jay-Z, I wrote an article about this on uh, Uproxx and, uh, about how, you know, the diss is Jay-Z did, you know, all, all legs, you know, whatever, no leg day or whatever. I don't remember what the diss was, but, uh, you know, the diss is on 444, um, I think will really fuel him to prove, you know, like I'm beyond Jay-Z. I mean, I, I, or heal the wounds. I don't really know. Maybe they will hook up in the studio together, smooth everything out. But like, I really feel like Kanye's at his best when he has something to rebel against, something to fight back against. And that's kind of like what I feel like, uh, why I feel the life of Pablo was kind of almost... I love the songs, but it's a little aimless. Like there, you don't know what he's trying to accomplish with that record. Whereas Jesus, you know exactly what he's trying to accomplish. Dark Fantasy, exactly. 808s, he's reconciling with his loss of his mother. Like there's intention on those records. And I really feel like, you know, in the wake of Trump, in the wake of Jay-Z, in the wake of, you know, the new shots from Taylor Swift, and, you know, it seems like the world's turned against him. You know, he's going to come back and say, you know, oh, you wanted to forget about me? Well, guess what? Here it is. <laughs> Here I fucking am exactly just kick the door down and it's like oh crap he's a god we all knew it (laughs) i'll be waiting i'll be waiting for the i'm sorry's on twitter you can just throw them at me i i was right you were wrong let's go i uh i look forward to that day so much so much (laughs) well i think uh i think that could be the spot where we where we ended if that works for you or or if there's anything else you want to talk about no, I'm good. Um, you know, if you love Kanye West, if you love Kanye West Live, uh, check out my book, Lighters in the Sky. I think that people really like it, especially Kanye fans. Um, uh, I just also want to note that he is the he is the greatest indeed. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, uh, Lighters in the Sky uh, availability. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, pretty much everywhere. Uh, Amazon's your easiest bet. You have Prime. It's only like twelve seventy six or something like that right now. It's not very expensive. Um, so yeah, check it out. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Corbin. Thank you so much, Chris. I I really enjoy the chat. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.